Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This theme song underneath us is called Good News by Mac Miller. And after 99 episodes of this show, some of which I admit are pretty difficult to hear, we thought we'd celebrate this 100th episode with nothing but good news. We've got anniversaries. We've got engagements. Hi, um, this is my ring. My name's Amy. This is my fiance, Katie. Nice to meet you. I'm getting married. <laughs> We've got a pregnancy announcement, a grant acceptance, the story of a life-changing compliment, and a surprising show of solidarity and acceptance at a funeral. It feels like a weight's been lifted off because now my family is with me and I am with them. I wish every trans person could have this. There's even a story about what happens when you don't even feel like you deserve a smoothie, and then you end up winning a year's worth of them. I'm Kyone Wolf. That's coming up next on Audacious, right after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf, and this is our 100th episode. To celebrate, we've got listener stories full of good news for you. You'll hear about an engagement and an anniversary. You'll hear about a surprising experience of acceptance at a funeral. And one man decides to announce on this here radio show that he is about to become a father. You'll also find out what it's like getting a grant for research whose discoveries may drastically extend the health of humanity. What's it like when things feel pretty bleak and then you win a year's worth of smoothies? We'll get to all of that after this first story from this provocative professor of burlesque, this powerhouse of pleasure, this seductive siren of sensuality, the one, the only, Alexa Lafever, Empress of Teas. I caught her in between some burlesque classes that she puts on in the Hartford area to ask her about her recent good news. So my good news, and... I'm glad I'm having this moment because I glossed over it. But someone that um, has taken my class before, they sent me a note. I'm so bad at social media. This thing sat there for weeks and I didn't know because I don't check anything. Said, you're my hero. No one's ever said that to me before. To have someone see that and recognize it in that way is just wonderful. And I'm, I'm glad that this opportunity came up because I just would have went... Okay, on to the next, dear God, don't let it be a failure moment, as opposed to, no, sit with this, sit with this, you weirdo, and enjoy the fact that people see you. When you got that note and it hit you the way it did, what effect, if any, do you think it would have on the way that you make sure that you express your gratitude or love for somebody else in the future. When I was a very awkward, strange teenager and just growing up in general, I always wished that there was like that one person, you know, you, you meet people and, and like, you're like, oh my God, that's who I wanna be. I always wished that I had someone like that to emulate. Someone who was just nice to me and I told myself, you know, I'm never going to be the person who isn't sincerely kind to people because what does it cost me? What does it cost me? And because I'm so self-serving, there's a, there's a level of love that I realize that I can't necessarily give to myself, but I want to still give it out. So what do I do? You know, all the love that I can't always give to myself, I give to other people. My life is about finding the beauty in other people. It's about accepting people as they are. It's giving people what I wish I had more of. And every time I meet someone who is, that just shows me like a glimpse of that, I, I go, oh, okay, this is how I do it. And you know, I can give this back to you. You've 
you do a really great job of accepting criticism when I've seen you and just navigating feedback, which can be difficult sometimes. So I've, I've seen it and I've gone, oh, okay, here's how you do that. Here's the grace in this moment. Thank you for saying that. So when you take a step back and you ponder the significance of this note, what do you hope it does for you? I think this is going to be the thing that pushes me to, to be more vulnerable, which is what I'm always working on, to be more vulnerable, because burlesque is not vulnerable to me. Nudity is not vulnerable to me. Nudity is vulnerable to me when I'm at home and you catch that glimpse of yourself. And you're, but for the most part, this is all fine. Vulnerability to me, you know, it makes me feel really vulnerable posting on social media. I'm always trying to ask myself, and this is hilarious for someone who spends a lot of time naked, how much of myself do I give away? That's just my body and it's still mine, so I don't care. But my thoughts, the parts of myself that I work so hard to protect, how do I participate in a friendship and be as transparent as that? Like, what's that level for me? So I'm constantly going, okay, okay, vulnerability. How do I manage my mental health? How do I know what is a boundary versus this is scaring me because I'm a toe over my typical level of vulnerability, which is like negative two. So it's just um, that process, which varies day to day, depends. Alexa Lefevre, Empress, Empress of Teas. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your level of vulnerability, like professionally and personally. You don't know the impact it has. I read everything that you write. It's nothing but impressive. Recently, my cousin, Coleman Gladys, visited a tropical smoothie cafe near his home in Malvern, Pennsylvania. It had just opened, and he was stoked when he walked through the door and was greeted with a coupon for a free smoothie. Hey, a free smoothie. That's cool, right? But then the owner came over to me, and he said, here, this is for you. You're one of the first 50 customers, and this is good for one free smoothie every week for one year. And I was like, dumbfounded. <laughs> and then I was just immediately joyful and very grateful. Who can afford smoothies these days with inflation? You know? So for some people, this may not be that big of a deal. But for others, yeah. What, what do you make of all this? I've had just, I've been going through a rough period Every, I guess everybody has, but I've all, you know, also been going through a pretty rough time. And um, I feel like I just didn't have much to look forward to. And this felt like, for whatever reason, even though I had nothing to do with it, a really solid win. <laughs> Turn my day around. It was something that I could smile about. Um. Sometimes there's not much of those. And here we are, like getting emotional about tropicals, really get it. (laughs) And it's also like, you know, not to minimize anything, but it's like, man, you got to stick around. You got a whole year's worth of smoothies. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You got to stay for the smoothies. Yeah. And everything else that comes next. Right. It seemed like such a silly thing to be excited about. But, you know, yeah, it definitely turned my day around, turned my week around, and I still look forward to telling people about it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's something, <laughs> that's just how, how weird it is, you know? Yeah, it made me happy to imagine you standing in this brand new smoothie shop, my, my beloved cousin Coleman winning this. <laughs> like, that brought me joy. Yeah. It's contagious. And why not? You know, it's like any direction you look at it, it's good news. It was the first piece of good news I'd had in a long time. And it was uh, no victory of mine. 
certainly it was just a start some weird stroke of luck but it there should be more surprises in life also to your point about brightening people's day and this win i've been thinking a lot about intuition in the last little bit of my life i didn't even think about intuition let alone whether i think it's real or not but in my experience I now believe that intuition is hella real and there are ways to hear it better. And so maybe there was something in you that steered you into that shop. You went left instead of right that day. So may you hear your intuition louder and clearer. So more smoothies will rain upon you in all the ways that they will. And one just adds up on top of another, on top of another. And then you will be swimming in smoothies i don't know what this metaphor is <laughs> but that's what i hope for you it's making me realize that before i arrived there that day i didn't think i deserved a smoothie <laughs> if that makes sense i, I thought I was, it was like what well, you haven't done anything productive you don't deserve a smoothie you're such a piece of it was all my machine running me my critic on my shoulder running me but Maybe I maybe it, good things can happen to me, you know. Like maybe I do deserve good things, or maybe it's okay if I have them anyway. You know, I don't know if I'm there yet with I deserve, it. <laughs> but maybe it's okay if they come my way. You deserve every good thing that you get. Yeah, and maybe I can enjoy them without without anything. Yeah. Coleman Gladys, congratulations on your well-deserved year of free smoothies, and thank you for talking with me. I love you. I love you too. Dr. Brenton Gravely is a professor and chair of genetics and genome sciences at the University of Connecticut Health Center. He runs the aptly named Gravely Lab, which studies RNA. I talked with him recently on Zoom about some very good news he got. So I posted about this, and your beautiful wife wrote, Brenton Gravely got a $5.6 million grant today to study all of the RNA-binding proteins. First of all, congratulations. Thank you very much. Second of all, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> That's a valid question. Yeah, so this is a grant. It's kind of a continuation of a project we started many years ago. And the goal of that project was called the ENCODE project, which stands for the Encyclopedia of DNA Elements. But my lab has always been interested in RNA, which has gotten famous lately due to coronavirus, which is an RNA virus, and the vaccine, which is an RNA vaccine. Um, so my lab's always studied RNA, and it turns out that the human genome has about 2,000 genes that make proteins, and what those proteins do is they bind to RNA, and they do various things to it, like take it to different places in the cell or cause it to be cut up or protected so it's not degraded. And so the proper goal of this particular project is to study every RNA-binding protein that humans make, figure out which RNAs they bind to and what they do when they bind to those RNAs. What's the objective in the real life sense, in the tangible sense? Well, the real life sense is it's really to figure out, you know, if we want to cure diseases, we have to understand how our cells and bodies work. So if a person goes to a doctor and has a genetic mutation, you can figure out what that mutation is, but you don't necessarily know why that mutation is causing that disease until you figure out how everything works. So this is sort of one small part of figuring out how everything in our genome and everything in our body works. So what's $5.6 million going to get you? To me, $5.6 million sounds like a lot of freaking money, but is it a lot of freaking money for you? I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money. It's more money than most grants that most people get, but it's largely due to the nature of what we're actually trying to do. Um, you know, a lot of it goes to paying the salaries of the people that actually do the work. But the, the experiments that we're doing are 
pretty expensive. You know, it's a few thousand dollars for every experiment. We're doing thousands of them. So it adds up pretty quickly. So it's a lot of money, but it's actually fairly easy to spend it all. But it's, it's really good for the economy because they're relatively high paying jobs. These people pay their rents and mortgages in town. They go out to restaurants. And so it all trickles down locally as well. If you were to get the grant of a lifetime, the one grant that would rule them all, mm -hmm. how much would that grant be for and what would it enable you to do? Ooh, that's a good question. There are 2,000 RNA binding proteins, and we've studied about six or 700 of them so far. So the goal is to finish doing all of them. So I would say so far, including this grant, it's been about maybe close to $25 million. Cumulatively. Cumulatively, yeah. Over, over 14 years. Um, so I would say for maybe twice that, we could probably completely finish everything. Unfortunately, we can't get all of that money all at once. That just, you know, then there's no money to go around to everybody else. Hey, listen, I work in public radio. We have ways of making these things happen. So let me see what I could do. Okay, yeah. I mean, you could do a call drive, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, pledge drive, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that would um, easily get another $5 million overnight. Oh, yeah. Especially if it aired during Audacious. And think of all the all the mugs and tote bags you would get, too. <laughs> you would get the first mug and tote bag pair. Oh. Brenton Gravely. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, Dr. Brenton Gravely, thank you very much for all that you do. Congratulations on your grant, and thank you for talking with me. Uh, thank you very much, Kayanne. My pleasure. When we get back, more good news on this, our 100th episode. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. The FDA has recently approved ZepBound, a new medication for chronic weight management. Dr. Davida Umashankar, Hartford HealthCare's System Medical Director of Medical Weight Loss, tells us more. ZepBound helps decrease hunger and increase satiety levels. Taking this medication for 72 weeks, people can see at the highest dosage approximately 48 pounds of weight loss. So definitely a powerful drug and another powerful tool that we have to utilize to help individuals who struggle with obesity. For those ready to explore their medical weight loss options, Dr. Umashankar has advice on the first most important step. I don't think anyone knows you better than your own primary care physician. So having that conversation whenever you feel ready is so important because these medications are quite powerful and do need to be monitored on a regular basis. To learn more, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf, and you're listening to our 100th episode, which is nothing but good news. Later, you'll hear about an engagement and an anniversary. And you'll meet a woman who learned a big lesson about family and acceptance while at a funeral. But right now, Andre Rochester, a Hartford-based fine artist, curator, art advocate, and administrator, has some really, really good news for you. I'm going to be a father. Trey! Holy! I'm going to be a father. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So we've been holding on to this news for a little while. And I figured, you know, what, what better way to to share some positivity than to publicly announce it here? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be one lucky kid. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're going to have a, a, a world of aunties and uncles, and it's going to be a lot of people supporting this kid. The village is big. So how are you feeling about all this? I'm super excited. Super excited. So, so fatherhood is one of the most important things in life for me. Um, I actually didn't have a great childhood growing up. And, uh, you know, I went through a lot and dealing with, uh, actually my mother was sick. She had multiple sclerosis and, and kind of watching her, her body basically break down over six years until she had passed away uh, between when I was 10 years old to uh, when I was 16. 
I had to endure seeing that, but I also had to deal with being the punching bag. You know, I was the target of her frustration because I'm the youngest. You know, you have this woman who's going through these things that that uh, you know she doesn't understand, and, and you know, quite frankly, feels like she doesn't deserve, and she did not deserve it. Um, but I had to suffer in my own way as a child growing up, and so I lost my mother, how I knew her to be a mom when I was ten years old. You know, I had to to deal with absence of family and, and stuff like that. So I spent a lot of time being by myself, and so the reason why fatherhood is important for me is because I want to give a child the love that I feel like I missed. And that is extremely important. That is, that is like, uh, aside from being a successful artist and, and all of that and, and helping people through that, fatherhood is, is up there at the top. So I'm happy to have a child. We uh, we planned this baby. <laughs> you know, we did all the things that we're supposed to do to, to bring a child in, into the world. And we've been trying for over a year and, uh, so I, I'm just excited that this is happening, especially now, because we have a child that we're bringing into this world who's going to see two parents who are living life on their own terms. And it's going to show them something that's a little different than, than what a lot of kids get to see. Uh, being an artist and my wife being an entrepreneur, she owns a spa. And both of us kind of on those journeys together, and you know, they're, they're going to get a different, uh, a different perspective of the world around them. When you told me this good news, uh, my heart leapt into my chest. And <laughs> has there been somebody you've told the news to, and you got a reaction that was particularly memorable? My father. <laughs> so we. Yeah, we, we told my dad and uh, he got emotional like instantly. So we uh, we created this card and uh, I, I told him now I wanted to stop by because we had a little little something to bring to him or whatever. And uh, we had printed out a card and put the first ultrasound in the card. <laughs> and so we walk in, I pass him the card. We're we're getting it on video. And, you know, my, my wife is, is you know, she's acting like she's going through a phone over, but she's she's recording the whole time. And so he he's opening up. He's like, what's this? I mean, it's not Father's Day. It's not my birthday. What's going on? I said, it's a gift. It's a gift. You got to open it up to see. He opened it up, saw the ultrasound, immediately jumped up, <laughs> walked away. It, it, like it was it was priceless. It was a priceless moment seeing how happy he was. And just just hearing how excited he, he still is right now. He's on cloud nine to find out that he's going to have a grandchild. Yeah, my father's reaction took the cake. <laughs> Dre Rochester, congratulations and thank you for telling me. Thank you so much. Since I spoke with Dre, it is now officially announced that baby Dre Jr. is due in February of 2023. And in addition to this great piece of news for Dre Sr., the Hartford-based arts nonprofit Our Piece of the Pie just named him as a 2022 Champions of Youth Alumnus Honoree for his outstanding work mentoring the children they serve. Congratulations, Dre. On June 14th, 2022, Norma Ruth Goodwin died at the age of 91 in Omaha, Nebraska. Her funeral was held in the middle of her family's 105th reunion, which draws between six and 7,000 people. One of those family members is Carly Webb, who was raised by Norma. The thing is, though, the last time most of them saw Carly, she wasn't presenting as the woman that she is. She hadn't even started hormone replacement therapy yet, so... When she touched down in Omaha to attend the funeral, how did she feel? Nervous. Yeah. Scared. You know, it's a scenario that a good friend of mine who went with me on this voyage, Kamora Harrington, well-known Connecticut activist and dear friend, she always said, okay, you're going to be yourself? Okay, what happens when your grandmama dies? Well, guess what? My grandmama died. And I had to answer that question. How did you think they would most likely react. I thought that there'd be shock. 
And honestly, I thought there would be dismissal. When I came out to my mother five years ago, she was stunned, she was shocked, and then she was highly dismissive. And I figure uh, if that's the way the woman who who birthed me, raised me, saw me off to college, saw me into this life, and saw me into the world would react, other people in the family would react the same way. What was the worst case scenario for you? Have you ever seen the movie Encanto, Kion? Yeah. My nickname growing up was Chipper. Chipper is a name I carry and I answer to it. Regardless of what my gender presentation is, it's mine. I had the great fear of a future reunion where someone would mention me and all of a sudden everyone would break out in song saying, we don't talk about Chipper, no, no. We don't talk about Chipper, no. I was scared of that. Every family, there's always that one one or two people you don't talk about. I was afraid of being that person because of the step I needed to take in my life to be myself and to be whole and to be alive. So you touched down in Omaha, Nebraska for this funeral. What happened next? I was just really scared and really nervous. And then I get a text message from my cousin, Mark. We haven't seen you in a long time. Where you been? What are you doing? Where are you staying? And at first I'm thinking, this is a fishing expedition that my mom has organized to try and smoke out whether I've gone or not. My mother basically frowned upon me coming unless I presented the way people knew me or thought they knew me. So I'm there and I'm just scared and like, I can't. What what's he doing? What's the game? Kamor says, invite him. Just invite him to your hotel room for a drink. I did. Glad I did. A few hours later, I'm at my hotel room. And he walks in the room. And the first thing Mark says is, okay. Then we just went to particulars. Hey, I've been transitioning since 2017. Went through the whole timeline of my last five years in a nutshell. And he said, I love you, cuz. I understand, and many other people are going to have to understand that the world has changed, will change with it. Besides, I live in Atlanta. There's trans people in my life. There are gay people in my life. There are lesbian people in my life. It's okay. It's good. And more so, understand that this family would not, would never turn you away. How did that feel to hear? It was shocking and it was affirming. And many people said, you know what? I don't understand it, but I don't need to. But you know what? I want to learn. My Aunt Terry was the biggest proponent of that. This is the oldest girl in a line of five children. But the first thing Terry said is, I love you and I accept you. You are my niece now. And that broke a lot of ice and a lot of tension. And she said, oh, by the way, you're speaking at the funeral tomorrow. I'm like, are you sure you want me to do this? She said, hell yeah, I want you to do that. And if anyone has anything to say about you, they best not say it in front of me. And if, and even if they don't say it in front of me, they will hear from me if anyone looks at you funny. If anyone says something to you out of pocket. So when you were at Norma Ruth Goodwin's funeral on August 12th and your feet were bringing you to the pulpit, what was going through your head? Really, what I just thought about is I love my grandmother and I'm here for this. I have come home to pay my respects to a woman who raised so many of us and send her to her heavenly reward the way she should be sent with honor. And I also thought I really don't do the podium. So I just grabbed that mic off that lectern and I kind of Oprah it a little bit because <laughs> I like to move and I like to make a lot of eye contact. I don't like, I want people to see me and also that electric blue pantsuits kind of fly. So I did want to show that off a little bit, but I just want to speak from the heart and let people know what this woman meant to me and what she meant to us as a family and as a wider community because she was special to so many lives and touched so many lives. Around this celebration of your grandma's life, you had some other affirming experiences with family members. What do you make of all that? 
it was beautiful for me because finally the weight got lifted. Now my cousins have seen me and they know that now that your cousin Chipper is now your is your cousin Carly. And their response was, all right. It'll take some getting used to, but I'll get used to it. I didn't see that coming. And more importantly, I took a chance. And I think that's the real, if there's a moral to the story, it's that sometimes you've got to take a chance on people. And one thing I take from it is, and this, and I, this is on me, is that I didn't, give my, I didn't give my people enough credit because I was so afraid. I'll admit, I'm processing that a lot. I had a relative who's 70 years old, and this is a person who literally held me in the palm of his hand when I was two weeks old. And this person, me, said, oh, I knew your father. Say, I know you, I know who you are, sir. I know you knew my father. Y'all was very close. He said, and you know what else? I thought I saw you. His daughter's here at the reunion. It's been a long time. 70 years old. 70 years old, immediately got it, understood it, and everything else just came into place. And that felt so good because it was somebody who I was close to for a long time. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I do a lot of traveling. I still do a lot of traveling for the work I do. When I come to Connecticut, we're going to have to, we got to have lunch. I'm going to take him up on that. Since you've been back for a couple of weeks, how have you noticed you've changed now that you've seen this response from your family and also put your finger on the fact that you also didn't give them enough credit? It feels like a weight's been lifted off because now we can move forward to the healing. We can move forward to the building. That's another closet door thrown open. My family is with me and I am with them. I wish every trans person could have this. Really, I wish every trans person would just have no fear of rejection to begin with because they're not being rejected. But I want to make this point. And kind, you got to find a way to put this in because it's important. You got it. The people who are showing me the acceptance who are in that room, these were all black cisgender men. Let's let that sink in for a minute because we are often told that black cisgender men are hopelessly transphobic. We are often told that black families are hopelessly anti-LGBTQ, terminally homophobic, terminally transphobic. I know better. I know better because I saw better. I saw my family actively break that cycle and I love them for it. And I want to talk to all the black families out there. Transphobia does not have to run in your family. Homophobia does not have to run in your family. It's not genetic. It's not transmissible. You can break the cycle. All you got to do is reach out. It's a myth, and it's time for us to put it to an end and shove dirt on it. My family did. I think yours can too. Carly Webb. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. After the break, two love stories full of good news. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. You're listening to the new investigative reporting podcast in absentia, which means you're interested in getting to the facts and uncovering the truth. If you'd like to help us continue our investigative work, consider making a donation. Visit ctpublic.org tap support and contribute today. That's ctpublic.org TAP support. Thank you for being a part of the Accountability Project. So, you've never donated to this station before? That's okay. Public Media Giving Days are a great time to make your first gift. Here's how. Give now at ctpublic.org donate. 
This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf, and on this, our 100th episode, we're bringing you only good news. And when it comes to love, good news is so very welcome. 20 years ago, when Amy Radzvalowitz saw Katie Blanchard at a party, this is what she thought. That. That's the one. That is the one for me. I don't know who she is. I'm going to find out. And that's it. End story. Now, after 15 years of dating... They're officially completely and totally engaged. And I say it that way because, well, when two women love each other very much and want to get married, how does proposing work? What makes sense to me is that there should be a proposal and then a counterproposal. And so I was like, you propose to me and then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were dating 13 years before I proposed. Yeah. Yeah. 13 years she stuck with it bless you. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I, during the pandemic, we went up to Buffalo to visit a jewelry designer, Alexis Russell, that we really like. And I'm fawning over, I'm just getting straight gemstoned entirely the whole time, checking out all of these stones, looking at them, being amazed by all of their sparkle, the whole thing. And quietly in the corner, Amy sees a ring, puts it on her finger and is like, yeah, this is the one that I want. Just when you know, you know. Yeah. Um, so shortly after that, I went ahead and ordered it using the, the economic stimulus. <laughs> Thanks. <Maya. laughs> um, so I ordered that and I, we travel constantly. Um, how you keep Sagittarius is engaged is lots of travel. So <laughs> everywhere we travel, we collect like little rocks or moths or um, seashells sticks. or just sticks. You know, like a small thing. child would I come home just full of pockets of sticks and rocks, leaves, yeah. bugs. Yes. Um, and also loves mushrooms. Um, she's a um, mushroom forager, budding mycologist, whole thing. Um, so I have this jar that looks like a mushroom and I turned it into a terrarium and filled it with all of the items that we have collected in our journeys, topped it off with moss and a little blue jay feather and um, asked our friend Jackie to go on a walk with Amy at our favorite park, the Arboretum in uh, New London and to meet us on the wildflower bridge. And knowing Amy, she takes a specific route around the Arboretum every single time. There's no deviation. So she, <laughs> so she did that. And I set Jackie up with a video of Amy's route. So she knew exactly what was planned and a map for where I would be. So I'm standing on this bridge I'm waiting for her to come along and I hear the bugs buzzing, a little hummingbird, swear to God, comes right next to my face, chills with me for a second, almost for a moment of encouragement. And then I hear Amy coming and talking about something to do with work or something like that. And she emerges through these bushes and steps foot onto the bridge, sees me, stops dead in her tracks and goes, what are you doing here? Something truly magical happened that day where I proposed to her and my whole speech was about how she's the most persnickety person I know who won't settle for anything that's not perfectly perfect and just perfect for her and how she was my perfectly perfect. And it was just, it was a really cute thing. Um, But yeah, once I proposed and the second she got that ring on her hand, this superpower, yeah, she gained superpowers. It's incredible. Your confidence has just skyrocketed from that moment. And she went from someone who hangs out kind of in the background and lets me take the lead to someone who, when she walks into a room, she introduces people to her ring first and then her and then me. Like, (laughs) hi, um, this is my ring. My name's Amy. This is my fiance, Katie. Nice to meet you. I'm getting married. (laughs) So what about the other proposal? The one that just happened? Yeah. So counter proposal. Um, I was like, oh shoot, it is serious. Like it is real. <laughs> I guess I better, I didn't, it was a struggle over the ring because even though Katie had gone and tried on many, 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 many rings and like, literally I have a photo with like just her hand covered in rings. And she's like, I like all of these, <laughs> maybe this one, maybe this one. So there was one that kind of spoke to, to me that it reminded me more of her. So it's a moonstone. It's not a diamond. Um, and so I got, I got that one and it, I got it sent to our, our ring bear. 
um, so she wouldn't get tipped off, mm-hmm. but she knew it was coming. And that was the hard thing is like, like I, even if I could surprise her, like she, she knew like it was going to come. We already had our wedding date. So it's only a matter of time. She also took the almost full year faking me out with proposals oh, using the ring box that I used yeah, for her. That's true. So we would be at the park and I'd be like, oh, hey, remember that time I proposed to you here? And she would reach into her pocket and be like, like this, like this and then hold up an empty ring box yeah. like a jerk. That's pretty cruel, Amy. Hey, I had to wait for like 13 years. So <laughs> fair is fair. I see. Okay. Yeah. We, we had a bunch of friends with us and I was like, before we get started for the day, let's just have a moment, like a quiet moment by ourselves down by this little brook. And I'm like, oh, look, a bug. Oh, it's, it's a snail. <laughs> and <laughs> like, how do you go from like, look at this snail to will you marry me? <laughs> um, so and I, I just couldn't find like a good jumping point. So I essentially took out the ring box and slammed it onto the, the table and looked at her and she took one look at that ring box and she was like, that's not real. <laughs> Sipped some of my coffee and went to move on with my day. And, <laughs> but then I got teary eyed and I started my, my spiel and she was like, oh no. Okay. It is real. It is real. Okay. Okay. It's all happening. Okay. okay I'm ready. <laughs> and she said, yes. Um, and then she was like, you know, I'm glad that you did this, you know, kind of quietly. It's nice to have like just a moment for us. And like, she was like, I know that you were so excited to tell everybody and like, we'll tell our friends, but like not ready to like share it with the world. And I'm like, totally, I get that. And I'm panicking on the inside because in new London, there's the guard art center and they have this beautiful marquee that I had rented out to announce our engagement and uh, (laughs) she works right across the street from it. (laughs) And so, um, but there's no stopping it. So it's already in motion. It's already in motion. But thankfully after our little vacation and we came back to reality and um, thankfully it was a pleasant surprise because I woke up the morning that it was supposed to go up and I was like, she's going to see it on her way in. And she didn't say anything. 10 o'clock goes by, 11 o'clock goes by, noon goes by. I'm stressing. Like I'm, I got to go to work. And so finally she calls, I think it was around one and I was so nervous that she was going to be upset or like it was too big of a move, but thankfully. For- no, it was awesome. She knows me better than I know myself. Who knew putting my name in lights was just the way to get me sobbing on the street in New London, yeah. staring at our marquee. Yeah. And I stared at, I visited it every morning before work, every morning after or every evening. After. How long was it up? It was up for three days. days. Yeah. Not long enough. It was. <laughs> we had um, our friend take engagement pictures underneath it that are so cute. We'll send you a few. Thank you. you. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and as we were taking pictures, we had people come up and honk and shout and wave at us and say congratulations and just feeling that warmth and that acceptance from total strangers and seeing my name in lights at a place that means so much to us, the guard arts and a town that holds my heart. It just, I didn't cry when you first proposed to me, but I sobbed when I saw that marquee. Every time I saw that marquee, I sobbed. It was just, thank you for knowing me so much more than I know myself always. Well, Amy Radzvilowitz and Katie Blanchard, congratulations. And thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Bye. We're going out of this segment with one of their songs, Nothing Can Change This Love by Sam Cooke. When you got back, I just say, welcome home. Cause honey, nothing, nothing, nothing can ever change this love I had for you. Way back in the day, Nina and Nicole Jackman met at a bar through mutual friends. And now, 10 years later, they got rings on their fingers and they are raising two kids in central Connecticut. I asked them as they celebrated this milestone, what does 10 years mean to them? Hitting 10 years is a big deal, Um, not just as a couple, but as a queer couple. I grew up kind of thinking that 
this was never going to be a reality for me, right? Like I had failed relationships. I am never going to find the right person. Um, I'm not going to be able to have a family, all of that. And then meeting Nicole changed all of that. Um, and so to me, it's a huge milestone to say we've been together for 10 years because not a lot of couples can say that. And it doesn't feel like 10. Yeah. It totally still feels new all the time, which is awesome and exciting. And I would say, I feel like it's just the beginning of things and we're getting started and it's a different chapter, mm-hmm. but still exciting in its own special way. So I feel like we've hit this milestone. We're still at the beginning, but I can't wait to see the rest of the ride. We'll have teenagers in the next decade. <laughs> you know, exactly. Looking 10 years ahead. Which is kind of crazy. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like to go back, Nina, to what you were talking about, how you felt like this would not be an option for you. Um, I shared that sentiment growing up as a gay kid, just thinking I was the only one in the world. And what are the odds that someone would love me back or love me the way I wanted to be loved? And um, I think about, you know, the fact that you are a queer black couple in the United States, too. And I know that your parents at a time had a really hard time accepting uh, you. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on all that. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, Because it is an honor and a privilege to live unapologetically as ourselves. Um, And we, we don't hide who we are. We very much represent who we are every day of our lives, being ourselves. You know, we are growing up, or our kids are now growing up at a very uncertain, scary time. We're raising two young Black women um, in this country um, that is targeting women, that is targeting people of color, that is targeting queer people, like the list goes on, right? So I think um, the fact that we are together this long is huge um, because it shows that we are quote unquote normal, just like any other couple. But it also gives me a sense of pride too, to know that like we are ourselves, that feels really good. Um, And our girls know exactly who they are. They understand that they have two moms and just how powerful that really is. Our daughter's favorite color is rainbow, Rainbow, everything. We nailed it. Um, I was like, okay, nailed it. Nina's favorite color is animal print. So (laughs) it is a color. It is a little fun with that. (laughs) So when you think about the next 10 years, when you'll have teenagers, uh, but for the two of you, (laughs) what do you hope remains between you two in 10 years? I hope that, you know, the fire burns even brighter. Like I know it'll be different, but Nina's shown me a whole new capacity to love both by helping create this family and by being her. So I want that to keep getting brighter. I want us to keep evolving into our best, healthiest, most, I don't know, satisfied with ourselves. you know, individuals and, and as a couple, Mm -hmm. but I just want us to grow together and just keep communicating. That's always been like a thing that has, I won't say be, it's been easy, but it's kind of been easy, (laughs) um, which makes everything doable or tolerable or achievable or surmountable. And we can, talk about anything or talk through anything. We've built this uh, family on a very strong foundation. We've built this relationship on a very strong foundation. So I don't see it going anywhere, but up from here, we understand each other on a level that I never thought was possible. And so I think we appreciate each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell her all the time, I am glad that I met her. I am grateful for her. I appreciate all that she does for us and our family. And I'm glad that she chose me. I appreciate you for letting me be. This was the first time I had a relationship where I felt like I could fully be myself and be accepted for myself and not have to change in any way. 
and I'll have to take care of someone. It's finally, I've met someone who was my equal and that feels amazing. You've met your match. That's it. Well, Nina and Nicole Jackman, congratulations on 10 years. Thank you for telling me your story. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We adore right. you. We're going out with Nina and Nicole's song, the one they danced down the aisle to, Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Audacious is always lovingly produced by me, Jessica Severin Martinez, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Subscribe to Audacious and you'll always get to hear the show a day early. And hey, if you want to get us, I don't know, like a 100th episode present, something that, say, doesn't cost you anything, and it only takes like 10 seconds to do, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And, you know, maybe write just a few words about why you love Audacious so much. And that'll help people find the show. And then it'll be more likely we'll have a 200th episode and a, a 529th episode. And oh my God, what's the 1000th episode going to be about? I have no idea. But your review will definitely help get us there. Send me your reactions and show ideas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf, Or send an email to audacious at ctpublic.org. Thanks for that review. And whether this is the first audacious episode you've heard or, well, the 100th. Thanks. For listening. Then I look at you, and the world's all right with me. I just want to look at you, and I know it's gonna be.